Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Bench Units. My name is Mark. I am joined by James, who almost six years after he's been cashing checks from British Wheelchair Basketball, he is finally showing up to his first Europeans. So congratulations on on selection, man. And yeah, you've, you've got some um, some ground to make up now because you should have made at least two of these by my count. Yeah, it's funny, man. When I when we had our selection meeting, I was like, "Oh, cool! This is my first one. That's really exciting." And the coaches were like, "That's super weird. Like, you come away from a Worlds and you're like that happy to be going to Europeans. Obviously, many selections great, but yeah. they were just surprised. Yeah, I've not made a European squad yet through various different reasons, I guess. Yeah. But it is weird. Chaos. I was trying to draw the parallels, and the last time, so when you came into the men's squad was like post the 2017 Euros when centralization started. And I think that was the last point at which that was like the last point in any cycle where GB weren't gold reigning medalists at something. And we're all the way back to that now. And you're like, hey, don't worry, guys, I'll get us a European gold. No sweat. This was all you needed. <laughs> I think if we win gold in a couple of weeks, it will not be to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the sound bite sorted. <laughs> God's <laughs> sake. But yeah. Um on my hand and I water bottles and wave tiles. Oh yeah, sorry if I sound terrible, everyone. I I'm in my dad's house right now and I need to charge my laptop and I forgot that my charger has a European plug and Belfast does not have European plugs and I don't have adapters that go that way because I wouldn't. <laughs> so I should, but I don't. So I am on my iPad talking through my headphones currently rather than the, the good microphones. Also, I say this is if we've got unbelievable production value and sound quality all the time, and I'm not sure we do. But Yeah, I, th I think we're well past the point. We used, When we were doing this in the early days, people used to like tell us after episodes being like hey the sound on this wasn't good or like this was too quiet or one of you is too loud and one of you is too quiet and we've not had that for a little while so have people given up on us yeah i think so um <laughs> but hey if that means less effort in editing and polishing for us then i am also fine with that i think we've just set the bar low enough that people know not to expect any better perfect um, um okay should we talk some basketball speaking of low bars let's talk europeans Oh, that, that was that was clunky. That wasn't great. Um, do you want to go men's or women's game first? Uh, let's do women's because they've only got the one pool in the women's side. So we can, I think this will take probably less time than the men's side because there's less teams and because the Netherlands are in the women's single group. And therefore, I think we know how this is going to turn out. Yes. Um. <laughs> The so yeah, the Netherlands are going to win it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, that's my first question. Do you see anyone challenging? Um, not really. I think Germany have obviously they were the team that the European team that ran the Netherlands closest at the Worlds, which was only a couple of months ago. But that couple of months span has looked very different for both teams as it's officially signaled the end of Katarina Lang's playing career for Germany yeah. um, and the Netherlands is rolling out the same team to my knowledge um, 
So I don't see why they would have a huge amount of difficulty with anybody, given the teams that they've faced recently. Um, yeah, for me, there's like three, I guess you could say there's four tiers to this um, tournament, right? There's Netherlands. If you want to put them in their own tier, cool. If you want to bracket them with Germany, go ahead. Then the like middle third is GB and Spain. And then the bottom two are Turkey and France in I would say France is better than Turkey, but probably not yeah. ready to scrap with Spain or GB yet. Um, no, I wouldn't say so. Some um, some slight reinforcements on the GB side, I guess, is maybe the biggest change outside of Katrina Lang being replaced by Geisha Schoenemann, But Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's the one of the X factors in the women's side of things in terms of medal placement. Maybe not enough to put the Netherlands away, but Robin Love... And Laurie Williams both coming back will kind of will at a minimum mean they don't have to play to twelve points all the time, but also it kind of mixes up like it kind of gives them some sort of midpoint variance. Yeah. Um, there is that. also Laurie coming back four months after having a child and playing international basketball is unbelievable. Um, so welcome back and congrats that's mental yeah, that um, I, I was trying to put this in terms of like she's recently had a child I've recently had a child my baby's nine months old and I can't even get out of bed when my alarm goes off in the morning <laughs> so like the idea of having recovery of four months and being like right tournament time I'm good to go um, also congratulations to Robin Love on one of the shortest wheelchair basketball retirements of all time because I'm pretty sure she announced her retirement like two weeks before Worlds and she's back already. Yes. Uh, no idea what the deal is there, but welcome back. Um, do okay. Who comes second? That's. Um, I think if we're if we're both super convinced that the Netherlands are winning the whole thing, which I think we are. Yeah. Um, do Robin and Laurie coming back, and GB being another bit down the road with a new coach, and this, that, and the other. Does that push them into medal contention? I think so, but uh, yeah, second. I think I think I don't know if it pushes them second. Um, no. I think you. It's really difficult to try and see where the boost they get from getting Laurie and Robin back lands them in comparison to where Germany, with an arguable downgrade of Katrina Lang to Geisha Schumann. Although I think Geisha is great. I think yeah. Katrina's not easily replaced. Also, I don't know how you feel about this. I think I'm going to stop prefixing my opinions with arguably, because I think if I'm saying them, then it means I believe that. This was something I was thinking about recently. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think GB are more likely to find themselves in the third, fourth game with Spain um, come the end of the tournament. They obviously beat Spain by two in one of the early games of the Worlds. I could see that going either way because I think like Spain were up by like double digits and it took a mad GB comeback to win that game. Yeah, right? um, yeah, that was nuts. I think that was ten or eleven, as you say, in the fourth quarter. I was I was courtside watching that. That was a lot of fun. Um, mayhem. Um, so yeah, I think that means GB and Spain are probably evenly matched to some extent, but also, you know, I don't think it's a wise gambit to be like, hey, well, this team won by two versus a team that had been up. 10 on the minutes earlier. I don't think that paints it as black and white as to who's better. So 
No. I think we're going to get a close game for the bronze medal either way. Um, it wouldn't shock me if either of those teams did upset Germany, but I would say something drastic would have to happen for us to not see a Netherlands and Germany final, and something even more drastic would have to happen to not see a Netherlands win. Yeah, I guess the thing as well is, oh, well, there's only one group to obviously cross over and stuff don't make a difference, so you'd go, depends where they play out in the group stage as well, to then, like, not cross it. It's basically all those teams. It's a race to not finish fourth, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like you want to bump up to second and third, and then hope for the best. But yeah, the, whoever the ends up fourth loses out the by just having scenario, to play the Netherlands. The nightmare scenario is if one of those teams, if they get stuck in like you know the three-team mini league situation yeah. where they will beat each other, and then someone has to face the Netherlands because of points difference, even though they've got the same record as two other teams um oh man i'm so into that i'm kind of pushing for that to happen now. obviously yeah. gb gb bias i hope it's not gb but well, um i think i actually think i think gb and spain for bronze will be an interesting game more so than probably the netherlands versus anybody but I think G- GB possibly broke the curse right because i don't know if you remember this but when they took on their previous coaches in um Miles and Dan, who were the American guys, they played the US in Rio, maybe. And I heard from somebody firsthand at that point, they were like, Hey, we think we've got this game. You know, we've got an American coach. He knows these guys inside out, and he's a defensive mastermind. Then they gave up 89 points to the US where <laughs> it's like, oh man. Um, so at least that was- 89. 89 is a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot and, about that. And GB scored 78 as well. So, any other game they played, they would have run away with a win there. Um, but yeah, I think they've have they potentially got the advantage against Spain because they've got the Spanish coach and he, you know, knows the the inner workings of some of that stuff potentially. Um, I don't think so. Like he, it's not like he coached Mercia. Like, no. <laughs> um, yeah, he coaches. He has coached one of their players. Yeah, he's like, hey, like, Saru's really good when she's got Bill Latham and Terry around. But if the Spanish women ever land those guys, then watch out. But do you think? Do you think someone coaching a Lunion and then coming over to coach the women's game, they just assumed that they get a point and a half extra for every player they have on the floor because that's how it works in club basketball. But I always wonder that with like the we don't see the Turkish women in like the world events or whatever, so we only see them at the Europeans every two years. But I do always wonder being like, hey, are these guys just gonna roll out twelve one pointers who are like, hey, I'll just stay out of the way on the offense and you guys take care of it. Um Yeah, or they just come on and they're like, Oh my god, this playing to fourteen stuff's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Desperate. Um, yeah, but yeah. No, I can't. Um, I can't really call the Spain GB Germany stuff. I think. No, I think Katarina Lang is massive, so I would be tempted to bump them down. But missing her is, have enough anyway. Missing her is massive. But if you never knew of Katarina Lang's existence and you rolled Germany starting five out and like, hey, they've got Marika Miller and Geisha Schuderman, most yeah. people probably be like, yeah, I think they'll be okay. Ah, uh, <laughs> that's enough. You're right. Also. <laughs> Seems like a downgrade, which it probably is, but also maybe not that drastically. No, still two world-class players. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Netherlands won. 
Germany two. I'm gonna go GB three, Spain four, France five, Turkey six. Just for controversy, I'm gonna flip Spain and GB because I think GB got away with one in Dubai, and I don't think Spain will be tempted to let that happen again. Um, my counter to that is you beat a team by two. Um, big mad comeback, but you still over forty minutes beat them by two. You have added two players who've started for you previously, and they yeah. haven't added anything. We... GBB, you play into twelve points. <laughs> Maybe they can beat you playing to fourteen. Fair point. Fair point. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so the the headline of this, unsurprisingly, is Netherlands first. Everybody else will figure it out in the wake of the Netherlands. Yeah. Okay. Well, while we're about it, last thing on the women's front, how? Many hundred point games to the Netherlands put up one, no mm, zero. Zero. I was going to go two there. Should we have one as our answer? All right, cool. One, um, and it's against a team you wouldn't expect <laughs> <laughs> in the final. Yeah. I think I am interested by that because it's like imagine if the Netherlands put up a hundred points on Germany. Like, how many would you realistically expect Germany to score? Like, would Germany's scoring numbers have to go down to even allow the Netherlands that many points? Would I think they like... have to go up because if you're scoring at that pace, you're giving them the ball back a lot. Yeah, maybe. Like the only time you ever really win like a hundred and two twenty six if you're playing terrible teams. Like if you score a hundred against a good team. They're also scoring ninety. Yeah, you say you say as a veteran of a couple of the the most defense optional Spanish league games I've ever witnessed. You say a couple. I can only really think of one. There was when you were at Gran Canaria. You guys played Alunion, and it was like 90, 96, 92. 90 or something like that. And then was your game. was your Copa del Rey game against Albacete not like ninety four, eighty nine, or something mental? Oh, I don't. I don't know. Okay. I don't remember. Okay. Um, You've had another one. I can't remember when, but I definitely remember there being two. If we played Alunion this season and we were like, hey, we can't stop them. We might just have to try and score. Oh, that might, that might have been it. That might have been um, it. Like we played them three times, lost three times. We just couldn't stop them once. And we were like, all right, can we just score? <laughs> can we just go super quick and score all the time? And apparently we could. Yeah, no, fair point. Good. Um, it was good to know. Um, it's funny because we did that because we knew we were probably going to play them in the Copa del Rey and we knew we couldn't win the league or anything obviously from third so we were like cool we'll just try and find some stuff out and maybe see what we can learn for the next time we play them when it matters and then it worked quite well and we were like oh god we maybe should have just kept that (laughs) (laughs) yeah well you showed them got them eventually you did remember we beat I remember we beat them and I sent you the Lego Batman first The Lego try. Batman first try, yeah. <laughs> um right. Should you want to do group A or group B for the men's side of things first? Let's go group A. So uh, well no, first of all, let's talk. this is a question for you. So I I was watching the draw as it happened, obviously, and the groups as they were the last two teams to come out were the Netherlands, who get to choose their group, and GB. So the groups that the Netherlands had to choose from were Germany, Poland, Spain, Switzerland, Latvia, or Italy, France, Austria, Israel, 
Turkey. And the Netherlands chose Germany, Poland, Spain, Switzerland, and Latvia. What what would you have done there? Well, Do you take the lighter group and make sure you get out, and then have a maybe a worse crossover, or? I, it's funny you ask what I would do because I, I went through what I would do with a player from the Netherlands who will remain nameless um, who, <laughs> who specifically sought out my advice and then somewhere between us having decided on what was the best idea and him going back to his coach, he either disregarded it as we had discussed it or his coach heard it and disregarded it completely. Um so my theory was if I was the Netherlands and Spain and Germany had landed in one group, my theory was send GB over to the Germany and Spain group, make those three battle it out as probably three you of say them. GB, you didn't know it was going to be GB at the time, did you? Um, no, I thought GB and Netherlands had to be split though, because they couldn't be in the same group because they were in the final allegedly against each other two years ago. Oh, I didn't know that was a thing. I yeah. thought it was coincidence, and I thought we were like, "Oh my god!" No, no, conspiracy is a foot. <laughs> they, they were the teams were paired up based on the standings of Euros two years. Ah, ago. okay. So I had no idea. Same group as the like the team that was next to you in the standings, essentially, like based on the sure. placement gifts. Um. So yeah, my theory was if you were the Netherlands, I don't know why I'm admitting this. Cause I don't be like I make a concerted effort not to be heavily pro-GB biased, because I genuinely don't think I am, apart from cheering for a couple of my friends, but um, sure. yeah, I feel like I'm ha- happy to admit I was helping the Netherlands out for no good reason, other than I love messing around with the structure of tournaments and seeing what might happen. Um, so yeah, I said Chuck, GB, Germany and Spain all into the battle royal with each other, see what happens there worst case scenario is you get if you top the other group which is very doable considering it's Italy, France, Turkey as probably the other teams that will make the quarterfinals if you top the other group you get Poland who are typically exhausted by the end of the pool play right so all you have to do is not drop a game in the pool and you get a probably pretty worn out Polish team Um, obviously, obviously if any of those three teams we talked about grouping together trip up or go around in circles beating each other or whatever, then things get a bit more dicey. But as a general rule, put yourself in the pool where you're not going to lose many games and the crossover you want is more likely to shake out, assuming the good teams that you were trying to avoid are as good as you think they are. Um, Which, granted, given Germany's up and down nature is no guarantee. Um, Yeah, Germany who are capable of beating anyone and then Get to a tournament <laughs> and it gets weird. Yeah, I wonder why that is. Yeah, no idea. We we'll spoke get, about it after yeah. the worlds where we um, kind of give our opinions, but yeah, yeah. So that was my take, and I thought that made perfect sense. Listeners may disagree. Please feel free if you have a degree in tournament science and you want to joust about it, then I'm all good. Um, but yeah, so our Netherlands delegate or his coach chose not to go with that, and here we are. So Group A is Netherlands, Germany, Poland, Spain, Switzerland, Latvia, and the Netherlands have given themselves one hell of a task because they're now a game or so away from slipping to finishing fourth and 
presumably landing with GB in the quarterfinal. Yes. Um, that's that's a tough kick. I think, I don't know what the schedule's like, but if they have Poland early enough, that gets real interesting. I don't <laughs> think Poland have the, the sort of firepower to get it done. I don't know, man. You, you watch... Filipski, the... like, the Netherlands could have 50 in a game and Filipski can also have 50. <laughs> like, <laughs> um... I think Mendel, Mendel will be able to kind of hang with Filipski size-wise and chair skills on the perimeter, obviously. So, like, they have the tools to maybe complicate things for him, but... Yeah. Um... They should be fine, but it's like, oh, I wouldn't want to play with that. Well, the, they do, but also... From watching the Netherlands in the last like friendly tournaments where they played you guys and they played Turkey and whatever else, they're a very good transition offense and they're not a great half court offense. And sure. if you're playing Poland early doors, I'm just trying to look at the schedule here to see when those two play each other. But um, yeah, man, you if you're playing Poland early doors or even a hot Poland game in late in the pool stage you're putting yourself up against a team that might just beat you in the half court. And if they're beating you in the half court, you're not going to get your transition game. Um, so, yeah, I don't love the pick for the Netherlands and I still haven't really received a good explanation as to why this was <laughs> the idea. But I think the idea is once you scrape out of your group, you get an easier crossover. But well, I guess the, the argument is all you have to do is not finish fourth and then you can probably handle any of Italy, France, or Turkey in a crossover. But if you're convinced you could handle any of them in a crossover, you could probably handle a group with all three of them in. You don't have to play them all at once. Well, you play them one by one. It's not 15 against five. Um, yeah. So yeah. I do. Well, I guess the other thing is if they're in that group, Netherlands, Italy, France, Turkey, there's a world in which your crossover just knocks you out anyway. And the big one is you need to win that first crossover to go to Tokyo, I mean Paris. Yeah. So I'm gonna be calling Paralympics Tokyo for the rest of my life. But all right. All right, we get it. You went to the Tokyo Paralympics. Pat on the back that's, piece. Um, that's that's not what I was going for, but yeah. <laughs> um yeah, like I understand the thought process of wanting the easier crossover, but it's like you better take care of business in the groups. And I think they will, but yeah. It's, tough, um, tough. Right. So let's Group A, let's go into these teams of note. First off, what do we... I'm going to say let's not concern ourselves massively with Switzerland or Latvia because... I wouldn't know how to anyway, to be fair, so... uh, (laughs) We'll manage. Um, Right, let's do Poland. So, their typical tournament MO is rock up, upset somebody in the group stage, and then by the time the crossovers come, they've played five players for 40 minutes a game for five games and they're all exhausted. And relying on making tough shots is very difficult when you're exhausted. And that tends, yeah. to, tends to be what trips them up. Um, they're a little different to what they have been. Um, they've obviously, some of their guys have retired in recent years. Uh, although Piotr Lewinsky is now back playing for Porto Torres, which... One of the greatest things I've ever seen. Um, yeah, what is happening? <laughs> I don't know, but he seems happy about it. Um, I love that. I love it so much. Is he not like forty-seven? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, but you know, 
he's gone to Italy on purpose, man. He's like, hey, I'm going to sit still and shoot mismatches and everything's going to be great. And the game against Santa Stefano, I'll phone in sick because I'm not pushing up and down for that one. Um, yeah. To be fair, like, played against him this year and I, I forget. He's like a foot taller than I, I always remember. He's massive. <laughs> uh, like we so- were, I remember we played them in our Champions Cup group when he was in Galatasaray and they ran a set Irrele- like the sets are relevant, but it involved one of the things you had to deal with was just him being behind something that it like was a handoff into a double screen. I remember someone asking us how we dealt with it, but it wasn't him running it. Like he didn't play against us a whole lot, so he or he was on the other side of the floor in that set. And I was like, we just kind of didn't deal with it because it wasn't Piat, so it's fine. And they were like, but how? Like, what do you think about how do we do it if it's Piat? I was like, I. No idea. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Good luck. Hope he misses. Uh, get there. Get there and try and figure out anything but him shooting an open catch and shoot. Like anything else, you'll be all right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's obviously not around anymore. Marcin Belcharovsky, I think, is coaching them at this point. He's no longer. Yes. Um, and yeah, they've got, they're kind of. They've got some remnants of the previous year. Filipski's obviously still at peak of powers to some extent. Macek is who he's always been. Uh is coming through. They've got a I can never remember his name. Um they have a double amp. I think he's a three five who plays somewhere yes. in Italy. Um been quite impressed with him from what I've seen. I think they're gonna be their usual selves where they're pretty good and have the firepower, but they're very, very top heavy and it's not going to go great as the tournament goes on, but that doesn't. Yeah, matter. like if if you're Philipski and you have a full tournament of every like you're the first thing on every team you're playing scouting report, and you're the one guy that everyone's trying to make like like everyone's trying to make your life difficult. That's some serious miles on the clock by the time you get to the groups. I mean, get through the groups. So I don't, I don't really see them having enough to. They'll get fourth, and then I would say they'll cross over against us and we'll take care of business, but we'll get to that. But, yeah. Uh, Should we do Germany? You've seen them a little bit recently. Yeah, man. So we played them twice last week. They beat us once in overtime, and we beat them quite comfortably in the end in the second game. Double figures, 15-ish. I have in my head. I have no idea. But... They, I don't know, I feel like they have to shoot more threes than any other national team in the world, right? Like, I, th- I think it's they, probably... They have to, as in the numbers dictate... And it must be the case that right. they do it. Okay, yeah. Um, so I think with that, that's part of the reason, well, that has to be mathematically one of the reasons that they're kind of up and down, because um, there's a bit more variance in shooting threes. Like, we've played them a couple of friendlies uh, in the two tournaments that we've had before, one before Worlds, one last week before the Euros. And they've taken games off us. And in both games, they've just shot the absolute crap out of the ball. Um, and they're capable of doing that. Like you, I think they might've had six or seven threes made against us last week at one point in the game that we beat them even. And, it's really hard to make that up. 
yeah. really hard to respond to that on the other end of the floor unless you're getting to the basket so much or you're also making threes. So they can give anyone real trouble. And you've got like, obviously, they've they've got a bit more variance now, I think. They've got the four, five, three, five, three, two, one lineups where they've got two and a half bigs, basically. And especially if you run Yam as your two, that's massive. Um, and they're they're starting to run a lot of two, four, five lineups as well. They're going um Gunder, Haluski, Nico, Gan Haller, and a one mostly Huber. Yeah. And that's big and that's got a lot of shooting. If you've got a guy that can shoot the ball like Nico and obviously Haluski sort of dual threat, he sort of obviously he's massive but likes to operate elbows and out and shoots a lot of threes, sort of semi transition. He gets down the floor early and he likes it likes to look at those and I think when they're absolutely flying, it's a lot to deal with at once, but they kind of shoot themselves in the foot every so often by going away from the yeah. stuff that works, maybe. Uh, yeah. But I think my, they can beat anyone on their day, like, is the thing. Yeah, I think my take from watching them against you guys most recently, and it kind of extrapolates back to like Worlds, where they obviously underachieved, but their two main offensive guys are more white hot but streaky than they are hugely consistent and their two most consistent outside shooters are probably Jan and Nico Mm -hmm. Um, and you end up they have stretches of games where like Tommy's hitting and Haluski's hitting and you have to overcompensate to stop those guys and they swing the ball to one of the twos who knocks down a wing shot you're like oh well this must be the best team in the world yeah oh when they're playing like that they're pretty hard to stop for sure Um, and then those guys go cold, and it's like swing, swing. Um, you know, Tommy and Haluski haven't got it going, being like, hey, Jan, Nico, can you carry us? And you're then asking those guys who are less mobile to try and create your offense from scratch. And that yeah. tends to be the point at which things break down. But they're too big lineup with the two twos. That was the one that got you guys um, last week. And it's bizarre because they did that and then you like literally the next day you turn the game on and they're playing the same lineup and getting panned by the Netherlands and it's like what the hell man like you just figured this out yesterday surely it's not gone away already but yeah that was mental they played the Netherlands twice and like it was super comfy each way wasn't it like they they split them but even the game that the Netherlands beat them it was 10-ish by the end and it was like third quarter was 21-8 and the fourth quarter was 19-6 the other way or something mad. Like just yeah. two blowout quarters in each direction to make the game look kind of normal. But it was, but if, I don't know, if I tell you Germany top that, top that group, you'd believe me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, I think, I think Spain will someone. do it, but. Okay. I was going to say, if you told me to pick someone, I would probably pick Germany just because. In the, I think they're super streaky, but over a five-game sample, they're probably okay. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think Spain really have a matchup for like Haluski and Guntner at the same time. Is we'll go we'll go into Spain now, seeing as that's kind of the natural transition. But that would be my Germany's ace in the hole over Spain. Yeah, 
I don't know. Um, You're deep in thought here. I am. I blanked. <laughs> I was trying to go deeper in thought and then just blanked. But um, so you think gun to your head, Germany, win that group? Yeah, although please don't put a gun to my head about the Europeans. <laughs> it's probably yeah. not. Um, yeah, never threaten my life about wheelchair basketball, please. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think Spain, we had a little chat about this yesterday, but I think the, the Spain question is predominantly lineup-based, and they've obviously not had a tournament this summer already to figure stuff out, so they've been doing all of their stuff in, like, prep games pre-Worlds, I think. They played a few teams, and then they have been in camps more or less non-stop. Constantly, by the looks of things, just beasting. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that's better for them than coming off from Worlds with a bit of a hangover depending on how you ended up. Like, we obviously came away disappointed. Germany came away disappointed. Like, two of the big hitters in the Euros have sort of stuff to get over. But maybe that's a bad thing. Maybe you're playing against a team that has something to prove, like us or Germany not. And the the Netherlands are probably going into the Euros on a relative high, caveated with the fact that they lost to the two good teams they played. (laughs) Um, um a European defending European champions, man. Yeah. Um <laughs> but they that's you laughing, not me, by the way. Um but yeah, man. I I don't know, I just Spain it's a weird one because they've been missing for a little bit because they went to Europeans two years ago. Asier was minutes away from shoulder surgery and Alejandro as well I actually had had his surgery and was missing and that's just not a real reflection of them and also Pincho Ortega was not as far along in his sort of growth into the Spanish men's team like he's playing a lot of minutes for them now probably and certainly did in uh, Madrid when we had that friendly tournament last year so I think I don't know. I would have said they were top four if they were going to Worlds. And that obviously puts them up there for the medals in the European. So I don't, I, I think, until we see Spain not being the second or third best team there, I think they deserve to be put in that group. Yeah. Um, especially like Asier's healthy now, Alejandro's healthy and beast in. And they can still, like we were talking about what lineups they're going to run. Um, they have no reason to not just go four, three threes and a one or four, two big threes, Jordi and a one five, because they've got some of the most physical one fives in the world. And Jordi's one of the best two, five, two fives in the world. They've got all the big threes in Europe. Um, <laughs> I mean, like inside big threes, like Phil's massive. And um, there's a couple of the big threes kicking around in other teams. But, you know, they've got the lion's share of the big guys, so I don't think there's any reason for them to play any different way than normal. Um, this question, what do you think they're going to start? Um, I think they will start... I think they'll start Asia three threes and a one, most likely. And then I I really like the Pincho, Asia, Alejandro, and the two one fives lineup. <laughs> Yes, um, I wanted to talk about this because I've been saying for ages I think they should 
play that just to see, just out of interest, just because I'm nosy. Um, I, I just wanted to see what it was like, and might just have been random, but the Spanish Federation put up a clip of them training, and that was one of the fives that were all wearing the same color. And I was like, oh, this is class. I'm yeah. great at this. <laughs> they also they ran it in Madrid in the Europeans. Like the, yeah. I went back and watched, and they ran it for a long time because yeah, Pincho right. took over. They ran it without Alejandro, though, and their other big. Yes. They had Pablo there in Alejandro's place that time, I think. But they, their other big threes just aren't on the level of Alejandro. No, there's a real. They're all good, but they're not Alejandro because no big three is. Yeah, um, unless Segar comes out of retirement, in which case he might have a crack at it. But um, I don't think Segar's coming out of retirement anytime soon. Spoke yeah. to him when we were in Canto, and he was like, oh, "I'm living the dream. It's great." <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I would. I think that'll be Spain's third lineup, though, because I think they'll want to bring Jordi off the bench, similar to what Thuring would have done for a while now. Um, oh yeah, like, Jordi, Jordi not being heavily involved is mad. Yeah. Um, I think that one will be situational and I think that will probably be what they go to against Germany um, and just bank on the idea that their one fives in sticks and on Rubia can handle some level of the shot creation from Haller and Nico and hope they can nullify Germany's guards and then just match up size-wise elsewhere. Um, yeah. And they'll yeah. do the typical, like, they'll never have to play in the half court because they can just run and gun and the assier like but, pushing down the floor with four people in front of him like snow plows just getting people until, out of the way until um Nikolai Zeltinger asks for Asier's chair to be checked over again yeah I have a screenshot of that video on my phone ready to make jokes about it whenever it happens I don't yeah. know if I've said this have I told I've told you this but I don't know if I've told you on the pod like uh Nikolai Zeltinger came to Bilbao last year to yeah. have a look at Lucas and see how he was doing and have a look at how we were getting on and what our training's like. And I had a thousand chair measurement jokes. <laughs> like I came into training and pretended, like I nearly went and bought a tape measure for it. Uh, but I came in and was pretending to measure people's chairs just to annoy <laughs> Asier. And he was like, shut up. <laughs> I, I really, believe he's done it twice, man. I'm going to say he's got to go for the hat trick at this point, hasn't he? Oh, that would be... Oh man, I remember being like, that is unbelievable. I can't believe he's done it again. And then everyone I was around immediately was like, no, this is terrible. It makes the sport look bad. And I was like, yeah, you're right. But it does. And also, Asia caught fire after that game and single handedly knocked Germany out. So, yeah. Play with Made, fire went the... two free throws and a three and a bank shot and an assist in the next four plays. And it was like looking at the bench every time he did it. I think he made the free throw and like did the like one finger down, like points good to the foot, yeah, to the bench. Yeah, so I hope we. I actually think Spain and Germany is probably the, at least the most interesting game of the pool stages. Um, I think so. Excited to see that one. I really. So hope that's my. Do. That's my two and three for the tournament. Spoiler alert. Okay, let's. On that note, then, unless you've got anything else specific on the Netherlands, let's go Group B. Anything more specific than the Netherlands? Can the Netherlands beat Germany and or Spain? Well, they beat Germany this week, so yes. They have beaten Germany. I think Spain is a tough matchup for them. Um, I think so. Yeah, I... I think... I don't know. The Netherlands have been... The one thing that they do quite consistently is, like, 
like I don't know. It's not even the game plan. Well, I think they do, but a lot of it's like, no, this is our chance to beat them, and we're going to do that. So, I wonder if they come up with something interesting to try and nullify. Uh, what do you call it? Um, not nullify Spain a bit. Like, if they come up with something interesting. Excited for the um the Mendel versus Pincho matchup's going to be great. I'm excited to watch that. Oh, I can't wait. I think it should be there should be like an old school um like street ball no switches no help and it's just those two have to play one on one against each other at all times. I'd be into that. I think there should be like a a powerball like <laughs> you clear out for three minutes in a game. I'd be so into that. Um right. It'd be so funny if that was a thing that you could do, but you could do it selectively when it was like on a mismatch. <laughs> like you guys have to play back and forward forever and <laughs> Um, Group B, less meat on the bone on this one. I think there's, again, a, there's a reasonably comfortable top four. Uh, I don't think we want to go into Austria or Israel massively. Um, although Israel, you see them taking a game off Italy, France, or Turkey? No, but I don't think it's as grim as some of the bottom bits of the groups that we've spoken about previously. Agreed. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say you're going to predict GB's finish top. I I would, because I should, and I also think that's the case. Like, (laughs) I I should back myself, but that's also absolutely what I think is going to happen. Yeah. No, completely. But other than that, it's an interesting spread, because Italy coming off an overachieving world to where they got fifth, um, they were actually, yeah, they were behind just GB and the Netherlands in the final standings. So technically they're in line for bronze and they beat Germany. So maybe that um, that third, fourth tie that happened in the COVID-stricken um, Euros two years ago, maybe that's actually more legit than we gave it credit for. But um, Italy coming off a good world, France coming off a pretty underwhelming world. Turkey, nobody's really seen in anything other than friendlies for... A couple of seasons now. Um, they obviously got COVID in Madrid and they missed out on qualification and they've had to go down to the Euros B and reestablish themselves where they won mm-hmm. every game by approximately 85 points. And yeah, they um, played it like they were annoyed to be there, <laughs> which good. I'm sure, I'm sure they were, understandably so. Um, yeah, also, odds on Gerbalak just showing up. I think it's very slim because they've done a whole prep without him, but yeah. I don't think it's zero. No, I, he's done. He's um. I heard when they went down to the Division B Europeans, someone was like, hey, we've got this tournament to go and play, and apparently his response was like, hey, I've done enough for Turkey. If you can't make it back to Group A without me, I'm not interested. <laughs> like That was basically what he said, and then... They got back to the um, Division A, and he was like, "Yeah, I think I like I had a great time having a summer off, and <laughs> I'm okay with this." So, I yeah, like that. I think he's done. Um, but yeah, I think Italy and France is interesting. It will, if we're assuming that GB's top, that'll probably be third and fourth. Um, sorry, uh... second, second and third. I'm gonna pencil Turkey in as fourth, just because from the prep tournaments I've seen, they. Are probably a notch below those teams. Uh, um, I think they're about as good as France, maybe. Okay. Yeah, okay. I don't know. I have no idea. 
Um, I still have visions of France losing that game to Iran, where Iran just sh- posted up over them and shot the lights out, which Iran did to everybody. But France feel very vulnerable to big mismatchy teams, and that's what was painting that. But then I also think Turkey, outside of Bulut and Toprak, to some extent, haven't really got any speed that they're going to play with consistently, and. I don't know, France might, this might be one of those rare games you get at this level where one team presses the other for the full 40 minutes. That wouldn't surprise me. I love those so much. It's so funny. We speak about this semi-regularly, but it's like the advantage that you think you have over this team speed-wise, they also think you have over you, so it can't possibly be that great. (laughs) Like the difference can't be that big. What's your plan? But no, that, that makes me laugh. I love that. But um, I think Italy. I think Italy are clear for second. Yeah, I agree. In my mind, but um, I could see Italy, France, Turkey in a little three-way tie situation as well. Maybe yeah. I'm just not committing because I'm like it's us, and then it's everyone else. Yeah, but could well. No, I think Italy have done enough to um to prove their kind of. They've got some separation on these teams, man. Like, I mean, Italy finishing fifth in Dubai and France were like ninth, were they? I think. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's a reasonable enough gap that I'm, I'm willing to um willing to buy that. And also, Italy beat Germany, who we possibly just picked to top the other group. So I wouldn't be picking France to beat Germany in a million years. Um. Yeah, that's true. So that's logic, entirely fair. Logic dictates. Um. And then, do you think yeah. anyone gets anywhere near? I say anywhere near, but I think like, do you think GB have any chance of dropping one? I don't. No, it's it. it's a stylistic thing, man. The France are probably the only team that can go up and down at the speed GB can, but they have a way worse half court offense. So yeah, for sure. Um, GB is just way more complete than these other three teams we're talking about. Here. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, short of GB being like, hey, we fancy finagling the matchups to get the crossover we like, which... Also, we would never do that because that's mental, just win games. <laughs> yeah, win games, and also the matchup you like is probably going to be Poland at the fourth spot anyway, so there's no reason to uh, to drop any games to line yourself up against Germany, Spain, or Netherlands. None of those are preferable. No. Um, but yeah, I think France and Turkey is an interesting one. Ultimately, I... Don't see either of those teams landing third or fourth and thinking they're going to steal one off Germany, Netherlands, or Spain, however that pans out. Um, I think that's a reach. But, I mean, Turkey, man, they could Turkey could come in and shoot the lights out for a handful of games. But if they're able to sneak their way to the fourth, speed, to the fourth spot, you better have one hell of a shooting performance against whoever's finished top in Group A. <laughs> yes. Um and if they were going to do that, they probably wouldn't finish fourth. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, if you could do it in one of those games, you'd have done it in one of the five that you've already played. Exactly that. So, yeah, I think that's obviously full stages covered. We'll not do the whole crossovers because they, they get so um, expansive and weird and so many possibilities. But do you want to give your medal positions? Uh, GB. So women's, we're going Netherlands 1. Yeah, Germany to GB three. Gotcha. And man, I will go GB one, Spain to G 
Germany three. Okay. That's that would be my goal. Obviously, I don't hundred percent know if the crossovers can like not work out that way. For example, like I've said stuff like that before, and it's not been possible based on how crossovers work. But like, if that's how it can fall, like come out, I think it will. When I realized you left the Netherlands off the men's medals there, I was like, hang on, didn't they beat Germany in the semifinals? <laughs> so yeah, Tommy was sick. But yeah. no. although well, Tommy hasn't been playing a load for Germany recently, like, but um, because they yeah, have I, other options, I'll go women's Netherlands, Germany, Spain, and then men's. I'm gonna go GB, Germany, Spain there as well. I'm I've got faith in Germany because I I was high on them and they would like to be rewarded for blindly sticking with them, even though evidence suggests I probably shouldn't. Fair enough. I, I like that. You make you make a pick because it's what you've picked already. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, we, um, should we rattle through some of these? We've got a... Oh, God. Yeah. What have you got? I don't have them in front of me, so you'll have to read them all. We've got a few messages in. Um, we asked people if they had any questions. We've got Finn Tonner says, who or what are your X factors for the tournament? Uh, women's game. Uh how big an impact do Robin and Laurie coming back have? Mm-hmm. Uh, and on the other side of it, how big a... Does adding a Robin and Laurie make a big enough difference for GB to uh, compare to a Germany who have lost Katarina Lag? Yeah. So additions and subtractions are my X factor in the women's side. Yeah. Uh, men's side... Uh, for me, I kind of wonder if just Group A having to come through an absolute war, does that make a difference? Yeah, for me. Because for I think it would be horrible. Like, it would be worse if, say, us in the other group, if we had no one good to play, but like, we'll get good games against Italy, France, Turkey are all good teams. Yeah. But yeah, for that, that's me. I don't want to pick individual players, but. No, for me, the. The um the X factor of the men's side is Group A, which team figures out what lineups they trust first, because I think Spain and Germany have the most questions to answer. Um, one yeah. because they've played a tournament already and couldn't figure it out, and one because they haven't played a tournament already. Um, which leads us into our next question, which is from Mendel. It says, which team do you think has the advantage? The teams that have been waiting around all summer and are ready to go, or the teams that have already played a lot of games and have a better rhythm but are maybe tired? Um, what do you think? I wonder if having a full summer to prep for... I don't know if you're any more tired from going to Worlds than you are from just having camps all summer. Like, I'd want to bang my head off a wall if I was at camp instead of going to Worlds. <laughs> but... Like we're all everyone, everyone who's been at Worlds is tired. And as I say, like there's we've come off it disappointed, obviously, after losing a final. The uh, Germany didn't get what they wanted. Netherlands were a game away up from a medal. So I wonder if I think it's whoever reacts to like post worlds yeah. well enough, but it's also been so long, like we've all played friendlies and we've had like everyone's had two camps. And yeah, I think, I think the, time, the time difference between them kind of um, negates a little bit of it. Like, I think if they were close together, and if, for example, you were Spain and you get to your group and you've 
you know been waiting all summer you've been training but training doesn't replicate the intensity of game time right so no um you know if you're in that scenario that's like being the last person arriving at training and trying to join in in the scrimmage when everyone else is already in a full sweat and you're like hey i should be fresh and ready to go and it's like actually i just feel creaky and not ready yet um but no i think i mean regardless of whether you met or didn't meet your expectation at worlds i think having a summer to work on stuff in game intensity and having played that many games already if you're not better prepared for arguably a less competitive tournament that is highly on you so you yeah you should should have your lessons learned and ready to apply at this point what i would say as well is other teams pose questions about how you play better than your own training does a lot of the time like it's very easy to go okay so we'll run this and then we'll do this and then this team will do this to us because we are x y and z or like and then they'll jump here and then they'll defend this guy this way and then you play three different teams and you see three different ways to stop someone or three different ways to try and defend someone and you go all right cool we have more questions to answer which you then end up with answers that you didn't have at the start of the summer Whereas I don't know if you get that from playing the same people all the time. You yeah. know what I mean? I think yeah, it well, kind of gets you out of your bubble. It's a very controlled environment, right? Because it's like, hey, we want to work on this lineup and we would like this lineup to do what we think it should. And therefore we will roll it out against this haphazard other five of you know guys who aren't in this lineup. It's like, yeah, I promise you other teams aren't going to give you that courtesy. <laughs> Like, uh, you run on a lineup against either 11 points or like 16 and a half and it doesn't <laughs> work and you don't know why. That that always makes me laugh when you have to like, you run a certain lineup and especially a club where you don't have the players. Like we'd be working on our starters in Bilbao against like three ones. <laughs> it's like, what are we, what are we doing? What, what, what do we think is happening? Right. We've um, got a couple of questions, a couple of messages in from Dylan asking him if, asking if we agree with his predictions for how the pool standings are going to shake out. Um, Dylan, if you've listened this far, presumably uh, you, you've got our opinion on how the standings are going to shake out. So, yeah, li- if you need to rewind a little bit and listen to the episode basically from the start, and that should answer your question. Dylan, uh, I agree with you no matter what, blindly. <laughs> Question for James. Will Mark be at Euros? Question for me? Well, I don't know, but I thought it'd be funny to ask you. Uh, no, I imagine not. No, not. Not that I know of, anyway. If anyone wants to like pick me up in a limousine and sit that limousine on the um, channel tunnel, then we'll make it over then. Happy days. But Only uh, long vehicles. Yeah. Trains yeah. and limousines. No short cars. <laughs> um... Question from Anna. Do you think my passport will arrive in time for me to go? Uh, no. <laughs> I don't think so. Anna, you can't see this, but he's got his fingers crossed on the camera here. I uh, don't. <laughs> you can't even see my hands. <laughs> that sounds weird. <laughs> it does. Um, that's all, all our questions. So, yeah, we've rattled through those in a couple of minutes, but thank you for people who sent those in. That was fun. Um yeah, yeah. we've obviously talked pool stage here. I guess, James, you're going to be busy as we're um, as the heat of the tournament's getting going. I might venture out solo, or if anybody's listening to this and is watching the Europeans avidly and wants to join in and talk it all out once things get to the, the meat of the competition, 
shoot us a message and we will accommodate a co-host who is suitably dedicated. Yeah, I was going to say, the co-host needs to either know what they're talking about, be someone we know, or be like an international player of some variety. Like, don't just be someone we've never heard of or met and be like, can we come and host? Um, I don't think that happens, but like, there's about 20 people that you'd want to do it with. Yeah, that, that did actually happen at one point during Dubai, and I felt terrible because I was like, hey, let us know if you want to co-host. And we got a couple of messages from like complete strangers whose basketball credentials I don't know. And I'm like, I need to, like, we're, we're one step away from having to write like a formal interview process. <laughs> and I was like, I promise you, this isn't what I wanted out of this. I just. It's a weird one where you're like, you might know what you're talking about. This might be great, but we just can't risk that. No, there is no chance I'm hitting record and then finding out that you're way in over your head. As we are, but I think we're aware enough to know it and drag each other through. Oh, 100%. All right, cool. Well, that there is then. That will do us. Cool. Thanks right. very much for listening, guys. Take it easy. Have a good one. And if you're listening to this to go to sleep, one, how dare you? And two, Wake up. <laughs>